Bienvenidos todos los milenios a otro episodio de Advanced Lessons in Millennial Money. Yo soy Alexandra González y voy a compartir este video con ustedes. Today, my favorite guest joins us, Kim Kiyosaki. She's Robert Kiyosaki's better half and an internationally renowned speaker, entrepreneur, real estate investor, and the author of Rich Woman and Its Rising Time. She wrote her book, Rich Woman, for the woman who insists on being financially independent and not depending on a man, company, government to take care of her. I recently sat down with the queen of cash flow to talk about the difference between investing for cash flow and investing for capital gains and how we millennials can prepare for our future and live our best lives. <laughs> My first question for Kim was about what we millennials should be thinking about when it comes to retirement. Let's take a look. There's a lot to that question. Um, first of all, what is retirement? You know, because back in my parents' days, you would, dad would work at one or two jobs, mom was a school teacher, and at 65, 66, they retired to a nice little resort, and he played golf, and she went to the beach, and she did her thing, he did his thing. Um, but that doesn't apply today, and especially with millennials, with all the changes happening in the world, um, there probably will be no pensions. My dad had two pensions. There'll probably be no pensions. There's no job loyalty, you know. Millennials aren't going to be working at one or two jobs. They're going to have one or two jobs a year, not throughout their lifetime. Um, so I kind of question what retirement is or what, I, what I'm seeing more and more millennials do is they're actually incorporating a lifestyle that I think is really healthy because, for example, my niece, she's a very successful business, and she and her husband, every February, they take the month off. They go to a new location they've never been before, usually outside the U.S. Um, so they're, they're kind of incorporating, not retirement, but a lifestyle that is more, has more um, leisure and more education. They get to see new cultures and explore. I agree with Kim here. Millennials do incorporate more leisure into their lifestyle, unlike some older generations. We like to play hard, but also work hard. Here, Kim gives her opinions on the boring advice we've all heard about retirement and 401ks. I like her fresh and contrasting perspective on this. This, this is the key. Okay, so I actually been online looking at, you know, when putting together millennials and retirement. And it drives me nuts. I see the same freaking advice all the time. Save money and invest in a 401k. They've been saying that mm -hmm. for generations, ever since the 401k came into being. And just a little side note, the 401k was never meant as a big retirement plan. A 401k was developed because after the depression, people were not getting back into the stock market. So they created a 401k to make it easy for the average person to get into the stock market. So you really got to do some research. I mean, everybody, all of us need to really do our research when we're looking at just blindly accepting advice from somebody. So I don't think today you can save yourself to retirement. I mean, the interest rates, 2%, right? It was, it was almost negative because it was zero something and the fees you're paying is, brings you negative. Um, so if you're saving money, are you trying to build as big a nest egg as possible to live off of? And who knows what's going to happen with inflation, deflation? Yeah. There's so many factors. So I don't think saving and a 401k is a good financial retirement plan at all. I think it's probably 
some of the worst advice you could get today. Mm -hmm. And if they keep printing money, your money's gonna be worth less and less and less. So all this money you're saving could be worth very little in years to come. Yeah, I agree and, and I think my, most people are relying on just their 401k to secure their future. Yeah. And like you mentioned before, I mean, it was invented, which is crazy because I hadn't even thought of like, okay, what was the purpose behind the 401k? It was invented for people to start getting back into it, not to secure your future. No, so the stockbrokers could make fees off of your investments. Yeah. <laughs> That's why it got invented. Yeah, and it's, and it's if you think about it too, I mean, the stockbrokers make money whether it goes up or down. That's right. You're the one who suffers the consequences. That's right. yep. So I mean, for me, it's crazy that people would yeah. consider having that as a, like securing their future. Yeah, and, and you know, I, it's that most people and not just millennials, all generations, don't know that there's other options mm -hmm. because they've been inundated, all the ads, all the magazines, all the online, all the social media, they talk about saving, get out of debt, invest in a 401k, invest in the stock market. Mm -hmm. That's all they're taught so they don't even know there's other options, much more, much more profitable, viable options mm -hmm. than turning your money over to somebody else to manage, which yeah. is the worst thing somebody could do. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you got it. You've got to get smart with your money. There's nobody, nobody's going to look after your money better than you. And if you don't take the time to get educated and next thing you know, your money that you've turned over to somebody is gone, there's nobody to blame but yourself. That's terrifying. You've got to get educated about money. You got to. And, yeah. and, and it's not rocket science. It's not that difficult. Yeah. You know, a lot of it is just vocabulary. Just look, start looking up some of the words. Start learning. Start asking questions. There are dozens of forces working against us when it comes to building wealth to live the life we've dreamed of when we retire. Things like rising taxes, inflation, devaluation of the dollar, and so much more. So I asked Kim if there's a way we can protect ourselves from these factors. I think entrepreneurship is a, one of the best job securities you can have. Now, there's no guarantees, and it's not easy, um, but it's easier now with online. You can be international you know, within seconds. When I started, no, it wasn't seconds. <laughs> it took a long time to get international. It took a long time just to get yourself known domestically, nationally, even just in your state. Um, but there's so much, so much opportunity. You can just start an online business. I know somebody right now, they're looking at starting an online business. They've had some success. They're making two, 3000 a month. Mm -hmm. They're probably going to start making five, 6000 a month with not a ton of overhead, there's not the overhead, not a ton of, of financial outlay. Um, so I think job security in entrepreneurship is a big plus. Then when you get into the investing world, you need to look at what interests you. And for me, what interests me is freedom. I wanted to be financially free. I got fired twice from my first job out of college, twice, not once, twice, oh gosh. twice, because I, I, when I looked at it, you know, after I started, start, stopped blaming everybody else and started looking at it and say, what, how come I got fired twice? Yeah. Um, I hated being told what to do. Mm -hmm. So I wanted the freedom not to be told what to do. And that's how I got into entrepreneurship. And I started a very small, tiny little, tiny little uh, venture, mm -hmm. little pro I started with the project, it started to grow and grow and, um, but that was, that's what was important to me was the freedom not to be told what to do. So for everybody, it's different. Some people thrive in a corporate environment. Yeah. Some people thrive as employees, and that's great. 
So you've got to find out where you're, where you're going to thrive, what kind of environment you're going to thrive in, number one, because too many people are working at jobs they hate. Yeah, and that's a crime. Yeah, and it's, it's where you spend majority of your time. Yeah. Yeah. So it's kind of it's kind of sad when you see people who complain about their jobs and what they're doing on a daily basis. Yeah. And and I was listening to a podcast the other day and it says like we're all self-made, whether we're in a bad situation or a good self situation. But the only people that are willing to recognize that they're self-made are the people that are in a good situation. And I think uh, as opposed to the people that are in a bad situation yeah. where they're not willing to admit that this they are where they are because of themselves. Mm -hmm. And I think it's awesome that when you got fired, you didn't take of it, take it like, okay, I'm fired. Like, this is what it is, you know? I'm not fit out for anything. But you took it to reflect, and it actually opened up the doors to something incredible, like your freedom today. Yeah. Well, I, I, I go under the idea that if you're in that situation that you're not happy with, you either change it or you leave it. Shipping can make or break a sale, so optimize how you ship your orders with ShipStation. They make it easy to automate and manage orders no matter how big your business grows. And they might even be able to help reduce shipping and warehouse costs. So optimize and keep up your momentum for growth with ShipStation. Sign up for your free 60-day trial now at ShipStation.com and use the code POD. That's ShipStation.com with the code POD. Or you endure it. Those are the, really the three choices. And if you're enduring... Be there and you really don't want to be there, you really need to leave that situation and trust that there's something out there better. And now to why we're here, investing for cash flow or capital gains. Here's how Kim describes the difference. There's four asset classes and different things that you can invest in. So there's businesses, you can invest in businesses, you can invest in real estate, you can invest in paper assets, stocks, bonds, mutual funds, and you can invest in commodities, things like gold, silver, oil, gas, corn, <laughs> the soybeans, all avocados. that stuff. Yeah, avocados, <laughs> all that, yep. Um, so first of all, you've got to kind of find that niche, that area that just kind of speaks to you, that you're really interested in, because if you're not interested, you're not going to study, you're not going to learn, you're not going to go seek new answers. For me, I wanted to be financially free, because as long as I was dependent upon somebody else, whether it's a job and a boss or Robert, my husband, or my family for my financial life, I would never be fully free. So there was always a goal to be financially free. So if that's a goal for you to be financially free, then you've really got to do what it takes and do your homework and study and get some experience and get in the game. So there's two things people can invest in. One is capital gains and one is cash flow. So capital gains is you buy a stock for $20 it goes to $30, you sell it, your profit is called capital gains. Okay? You buy a house for $100,000, you put $20,000, fix it all up, you sell it for $150,000, your profit is called capital gains. So any time to realize capital gains, you must sell something. Okay? You must sell. So most people, they will, they're looking for a market that's going to go up. Okay? They always want the market to go up because if I buy here, I want the price to go up and then I sell and then I get a profit and that's called capital gains. Cash flow, on the other hand, which is my favorite two words, <laughs> cash flow is, let's say I buy a stock that pays a dividend every quarter. So that dividend, I buy the stock, that money stays there and I get a dividend every quarter, that is cash flow to me. Or my 
number one asset is real estate. Mm -hmm. I love real estate rental properties. I started with a little one bedroom, two bath house. And in real estate, you, I buy the, say the first house I bought, I bought it, it was 1989, it was $45,000. So I put $5,000 down, I had a loan, I rented it out, and every month I would collect the rent, I'd pay the mortgage, I'd pay the expenses, and the bottom result was $25 positive cash flow. So cash flow comes from rental properties. Cash flow may come from a business, you invest in somebody's business, and every month, every quarter, every year, it throws off a distribution to you, that's called cash flow. So cash flow is more of a, you buy it and you hold it, where capital gains is you sell it. Okay, so and it's awesome because the first time I ever even heard about capital gains or cash flow was when I was a little girl and we played the cash flow board game for yes, kids. Yes. And so I remember that being my first example of like capital gains and cash flow and what's the difference and what do you want, you know? And so it created a whole discussion in my family. And I'm never gonna forget the best piece of advice you've, you've not the best piece because you've given me very no, good advice. Kind. But um, <laughs> one of the greatest was when you told me just to start small. And so I actually did, I, I started investing in like two stocks and it just, it made me, since I had a little bit in, it made me want to learn more about it. Yeah. Now I'm not saying stock, stocks is my thing, but it just- Just because you put some money down, your interest goes that up. That little pain That's of like, how, okay, yeah. so my paycheck is going into here, I might as well look at it, yeah. you know? And so it made me learn a lot about stocks and it was actually fun and exciting. and. Here at the company, like we all started investing in these stocks and just like having fun with it and learning about it. Right. And so I'm thankful I did that because I got to learn. Um, I still haven't made any capital gains on it, but I distinguished the difference between okay, if I do sell this, I'm going to be making some capital gains. But what I really want is the cash flow. We obviously all want to know Kim's secret formula to freedom. So pay close attention to this next clip. And the formula is very simple mm -hmm. because if to to keep buying and fl like flipping houses, mm -hmm. it's a lot of work, and you gotta you gotta keep finding new property. Finding finding a property is tough enough. When I find it, I want to hang on to it. Yeah. So our formula has always been to acquire cash flow that's greater than your living expenses. At that point, you're financially free. So in 1994, um, Robert and I were officially financially free. And people thought, oh, you must have millions of dollars stacked, stashed away, and, and we're like, no, we don't have all of that. What we had is we had some apartment buildings, and every month, the monthly cash flow was about $10,000 a month, okay? And I started with a little two-bedroom, one-bath oh, house, wow. $25 a month, so now we got it up to 10000 a few years later. But our living expenses were only 3000 so at that point, we were financially free. And that goes back to my whole love of being free and being financially free. So what happens is over time, we keep reinvesting the cash flow into new properties, new projects, whatever the investment. We have commercial properties, um, but we keep reinvesting. So the cash flow keeps coming. Mm -hmm. So that was my way of becoming financially free was through cash flow versus acquiring a chunk of money and hoping and praying that that <laughs> chunk of money would last me till the end of my life. Yeah. This way, I don't need a chunk of money, I just need so much money coming in every month that I can depend upon. And if I manage the properties well and look after my money carefully, then that money will last me. As we talked about from the very beginning, yeah. that becomes my retirement. So officially, Robert and I retired, I was only 37. Oh, wow. 
because I was financially yeah. free at that time. So for millennials, you can be, you can retire whenever you want mm -hmm. if you want to go through the cash flow um, scenario that, that I went through with Robert. What do you think is the one thing that has stopped the majority of us from investing? Yep, that's right, risk. We avoid investing because we think it's too risky. Luckily, Kim shares how she's made investing less risky for her. And that's the key word is control. Yeah. You don't have control over stock. When you buy a stock, you don't have control over what they do with it. You don't have control over your 401k. Mm -hmm. You have control over a piece of real estate you buy. You can touch it, you can knock on the door, you can, you can see it and feel it, and you can decide what expenses you wanna spend and how much you wanna charge and all of that. Same with your business. If you have a small business, and a small online business, um, you, can, you can generate a nice little cash flow on a small, online business that you don't have to put a whole lot of time into. If you're working full-time, start a part-time business online yeah. and have that start to, see, start to see that cash flow coming in. When you start to see, and I know you have, Alex, <laughs> you see a little bit of money coming in without a whole lot of effort after a while. It takes a while to set it all up, but after a while it starts to self-generate. That's exciting yeah. and that's fun. <laughs> this next clip, I wrap up my conversation with Kim about investing. Rule number one is I invest for cash flow. Okay. okay. Now, let me, let me preface it by saying this. Let's say you're just starting out and you don't have money to invest. I, when I started out, I had no money to invest. And actually, it was the best thing that ever happened to me because it forced me to get very, very creative. So I would say find the investment you want to buy and then you'll figure out how to find the money. So for some people, what I've seen them do is they've bought a property and fixed it up and sold it, they flipped it, and then they took the proceeds, the cash or the, the capital gains from that sale and put it into a cash flowing property or a cash flow investment. So one of my rules is I only buy, pretty much only buy investments that cash flow. Okay. okay. Number two, never, ever, ever invest in anything you don't understand. There are so many people out there that wanna sell you something and they'll make it sound so complicated, which is again, um, a, a kind of a tip for anybody that wants to learn investing is to learn the vocabulary. If you wanna get into real estate, learn the vocabulary of real estate, learn the vocabulary of stocks and bonds or learn the vocabulary of, of entrepreneurship because people wanna dazzle you with their BS, mm -hmm. right? And they wanna show, throw out all these fancy words and these fancy brochures of properties. I've had so many people come to me with a investment that I could not figure out for the life of me what the hell they were talking about. And, and they kept saying, oh, you're gonna make a lot of money, you're gonna make a lot of money. I'm like, but I don't understand the deal. I don't understand the investment. So never ever invest in an investment. Never turn your money over unless you fully understand the investment, which goes to rule number three is you gotta know your numbers. You gotta know your numbers. And I'm gonna tell you, it doesn't matter male or female, but women are fantastic with the numbers. And the numbers are fun, the numbers tell a story. You know, you, I can look at a numbers of a property and I can tell you without ever going to that property, what's happening with that property. But that comes over time. But you've gotta know your numbers, your income, your expenses. If you're gonna, what is your return? If you're gonna turn over money for a, to buy stocks, what are the, what's your return gonna be if the stock does this? What's your loss gonna be if the stock does this? Um, you gotta know your numbers. And number four is never, ever, ever blindly turn your money over to somebody else to manage. Never, ever. 
<laughs> ever. <laughs> I've seen so many people lose yeah. so mm -hmm. much. I had a I had a girlfriend who was in the in the uh, the tech dot bomb dot com bubbles, okay. and her company went off the charts. And she, as a worker there, she was an employee there, made a million bucks. And she went to their company planner, financial planner, and he said, I'll take care of it. And she gave him the million bucks. A couple of years later, she got her statement and it said zero. Mm -hmm. Zero. They went through all of it. They took all of it through fees and management and all of this. So again, I'm going to say nobody's going to look after your money more than you will. Mm -hmm. So it's just, it's so simple. Just it's a matter of getting educated you know, le learning, studying, doing your homework, taking seminars, taking classes. I know you're taking a real estate class yeah. right now. Yeah. So smart mm -hmm. because that's, a, and then you experiment, you put a little money into a deal and you watch what happens. Mm -hmm. so. And I think that's the best piece of advice because it's like, even right now that I'm taking this course, just putting in that money for the course, it's, you know, it's, it's coming from a good source of pain. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. good pain, <laughs> but it's like, okay, well, now I have to actually take accountability for what I'm doing and, and make sure I take action, and this course will actually provide something valuable in my life. Yeah. And like you said, I mean, I've seen people that are close to me also be hurt because of blindly just, you know, giving our money to someone else and, and thinking it's, it's a good deal, you know? Yeah. So it's just, I think the best thing is like you've always told us, financial education and just being in charge of our own money because we're, we're no one's going to know the sacrifices we've made for every penny. That's right. That's right. And you can start right now. If you have a 401k, yeah. open up your statement. What's in my 401k? Do you have even any idea what's in the 401k? Yeah. Do you have any idea what you have financially? I mean, start there. Um, I, la final story is I had a, a girlfriend and she did that. She finally opened up her account and it was a stock bond account. And in the, in the height when the market was going through the roof, her portfolio was losing money. And she went to her financial advisor and he said, I just don't, there's nothing we can do. And she's like, there must be something we can do. And she, he's like, no, there's nothing we can do at this point. So as she's walking out the door, the financial planner turns her and says, oh, there is something you can do. And she's like, finally, yes, okay, tell me so I can start taking action. Mm -hmm. He goes, you can marry a rich man. Oh no. And she turned and she said, you are so fired. That's right, ladies. Your plan should definitely be to marry a rich man. I saw a bunch of comments from you guys telling me to find a sugar daddy. Maybe I'll consider it. <laughs> no. What's more liberating than to know you can depend on yourself no matter what the circumstances? This is for men and women who insist on being financially free and not depending on a spouse, family, company, or worst of all, government to take care of them. Financial education gives you that freedom. And that's it for this episode. If you want to learn more about investing, click below to download your free ebook, Seven Levels of Investors. Thank you guys so much for watching. Lo aprecio demasiado y espero verlos pronto. Now remember, if you want to keep seeing our videos, subscribe to our channel and click the notification bell to get notified. Because if you don't, you're the one missing out on your financial education. Thank you guys. Bye.
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.